the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Without surrender, there cannot be any kind of ruling. Okay? You cannot be ruled if you refuse to surrender. So this, this, this sense of gratitude begins with a softening of the heart. Because unless we soften our hearts to surrender, unless we have tender hearts to surrender, we will continue to defy the will of God. I know, I have been a Christian for a long time, and I want to let you know, don't be surprised. The will of God is sometimes very difficult <laughs> to, you know, uh, to, to obey. But if we have peace, and we, if our hearts are tender towards the will of God, we will surrender. And when we surrender, the peace of Christ will rule us. Okay? We go through areas in life when we grapple with the issues uh, that, that, that often uh, keeps us from recognizing God's rule, how He's really leading us. You know? If you've been a Christian for a while, you know you've had your struggle. You know, we know full well that what the will of God is, but sometimes the flesh, you know, the devil, the world, all of these things come against us, and it becomes a difficult journey for many of us. But when we allow Christ to rule, when we soften our hearts to the rule of God, to the will of God, we'll find real easy that there's reason to be thankful for obeying the will of God. Sometimes the will of God doesn't seem pleasing, <laughs> you know, at, at, at the moment that we're facing. But when we soften our hearts, we'll recognize that we will be thankful, regardless of how difficult the situation may be, when we soften our hearts, God's rule will bring us peace and gratitude comes in. Pride is a sign of a hard heart. Proud people are often ungrateful people. So one thing we need to check is that level of pride. You know, pride makes our hearts, as, as the, the former coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Jim Harbaugh, uh, eloquently said one time, you know, and I use his words, pride makes our hearts tougher than a $2 steak. That's true. And you know what? If your heart is like a $2 steak, it's not going to melt in God's mouth. It's going to crush the teeth of God. All right? Being grateful begins with surrendering to God's will. One of the biggest signs that we are conducting ourselves worthy of our confession, worthy of our calling as Christians, is that we have peace in the way we conduct ourselves in this world, in the decisions that we make, okay? Let me ask you a few questions this morning. Are you in a relationship that is honoring of God's will? If you are in a relationship that is honoring of God's will, I guarantee you, you are grateful for that relationship. 
because you are at peace with that relationship. It reminds me of a story of my college professor, college professor told us one time. It's about this man and this woman who was having dinner at this restaurant, one of these sidewalk-type restaurants with tables on the sidewalk. And as they were having their dinner, this, this car became out of control, and it was going to go and hit them. And in fact, the car actually rammed into them, missing them by two inches. And so they, they called the cops, and when the cops came, the reporters, the media came, and they were looking for the couple. They wanted to talk to them and have, you know, get a response from them, how, they, how thankful they are to survive that near-fatal crash by that car, and they couldn't be found. Didn't want to go in front of the camera to be interviewed. It was learned later that uh, they were married to different people. And they didn't want the whole world to know, especially their spouses, that they were having a... That's why they were in that restaurant. Very difficult to be grateful when you know that when you go home, you will not survive. Are you grateful for what you have right now with, with the possessions that you have? I didn't say satisfied. I simply said grateful. Satisfaction is a different sermon on its own. I'm asking the question, are you satisfied with what you have? I mean, are you grateful for what you have right now? If you are grateful, it's because you are at peace with what you have in your current station in life. Peace and gratitude go hand in hand. If we are surrendered to the will of God, we have peace, and peace produces that sense of gratitude. How do we know that God's rule is present in our life, in, in the way we conduct ourselves and in the decisions that we make? Well, very simply, there is a trajectory, a predisposition, a predisposition to the redemption and reconciliation aspect of the gospel in our lives. Is there a redemptive value in how we are living our lives? Is there a, a redemptive value in the way we're conducting our relationships? Is there a focus on reconciliation? Or is there harmony and tranquility in the way we conduct ourselves in the world? Reconciliation means there is a coming together a bringing together of two parties to be united, to be in unity. So harmony with God's will, okay, and our conduct brings about peace. And so how do we know that the, 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 the rule of God is present? We always look at those two things. Is there redemptive value to the things that we're doing? What, what kind of things are we engaging right now in our, in our lives? What, what are some of the things that are going on? In fact, you know, as Christians, you know, we struggle with a lot of secret sins. All of us have them. So, don't, you know, be, feel free to be free. We have them. Okay? If you don't have any kind of secret struggles, you, you know, you're not alive. You're in heaven already. You're just a ghost trying to be among us here. Okay? But we still have those struggles. You know, and the, and, the, and the best way to confront 
those things is to is to really you know confront them with the fact of asking the question is there redemptive value in this activity that I have in my life is there a redeeming value to this thing does this harmonize is can this be reconciled with the will of God you know if we ask that question the Spirit of God is faithful he does help us he does help us he does deliver us if redemption and reconciliation are present there is peace if there's peace, there's gratitude, and that's why the verse says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as Christians, we are called to peace, and it says, be thankful. There's a biblical illustration of this point found in Luke chapter 19, a very famous and, and great story in the, in the New Testament. It's the story of Zacchaeus. You've heard of him, the little man Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. The Bible calls him a despicable sinner. He not only sinned against God, he sinned against the people. And um, one day he was listening to Jesus and he heard the call of Jesus. He was a short guy. He was on a sycamore tree. And Jesus looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house today. Those were the words of Jesus. Those are redemptive words. And Zacchaeus heard those words. Later on, Jesus would say, this man is also a son of Abraham, so Zacchaeus' salvation has come into your life. That's the reconciling word. So Zacchaeus heard both the redemptive word of Jesus and the reconciling word of Jesus. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus received the word of Christ with gladness. What happened? The heart was softened. We heard the voice and we received it with gladness. The same thing happened to us. The moment we hear the call of Christ, the call to peace. Peace, again, means redemption and reconciliation. That's, that's, that's what it means in the Bible. There could be no peace without that redemptive work of Christ, and there could be no reconciliation. If there's no reconciliation, there could be no peace. So those two things Zacchaeus heard, and the Bible says that he received it with gladness. That's gratitude. He recognized the word of Christ. Look at what, what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says, be kind. There's that word. Be kind. You know, the Old Testament word for kind is that loving kindness of God. It's the word said that we often use in our church. It's that loving kindness. The word said. That's the kind of kindness. That's the kind of love that God has given us. It's His kind of love. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, there it is, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So it begins. Gratitude begins with a tender heart. When we begin to show a softening of our heart and surrender to the will of God. There's a second evidence uh, that shows that we, are, we have gratitude in our hearts. And that is we speak truth that heals souls. We speak truth that heals the soul. We just don't speak truth. We speak truth that heals the soul. That's what the difference between a person 
who is grateful and a person who's simply right. Okay? So I want you to just look at some of the, the, the little differences. Because, you know, you, you, you and I can talk to each other about truth. But one person can say it one way without any kind of redemptive and reconciling tone. <laughs> and although it's truth, it doesn't come across with a lot of grace, okay? And then there's speaking the truth for the purpose of healing a person's soul. Look at verse 16. Let the Word, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish, one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Gratitude heals the soul. It comes from the word of truth that we hear and we receive. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's what 1 Corinthians 1.18 says. It's foolishness to them, meaning those who do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can give them truth and it will be foolishness to them because the message of Christ to them, the message of the gospel, the message of the cross to them is simply foolishness. They won't receive it. But to you and I, the message of the cross is the power, the very power of God. Why? Because it transforms the soul. You're here this morning not for your body but for your soul. You know, we may all dress up nicely when we come to church, and we should. We all do these things when we come to church, but primarily you're here because the Word of Christ speaks to the soul. And that's why we're here. We sang those songs. You know what's, why singing is important in the church and why we encourage you to sing? And sometimes, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, kind of corny sometimes the songs we sing at church, sing at church, you know. When I was growing up, they sing a lot of corny songs. You know, they sing songs like, uh, you know, like uh, songs you would sing in a skating rink, you know, kind of thing. And I, I used to laugh. I mean, I was, a, I was a Christian for heaven's sake. I was already a youth pastor, and I said, I don't want you to sing that song. It makes me feel like skating, you know, that kind of thing. Until I realized that singing the song, okay, it doesn't matter what, what, whether you sing hymns or contemporary songs, that the songs connect our souls to the very throne of God. God receives it. Because it's a song of the soul. And we're called to speak truth that heals. It's foolishness to people who are perishing, but to us, it's the power of God. The message of Christ heals the brokenhearted. It gives sight to the blind. It binds up the wounded because it is a message of redemption and reconciliation. It says, let the message of Christ dwell. What does that word mean? It means to settle, to plant itself. It's like seeing a habitation, a settlement. It must live in us and through us. It must permeate every aspect of our lives because it's what's in the heart that will ultimately speak. Every person who understands the redeeming power of the cross reconciling power of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, inevitably, inevitably will speak words of gratitude that will heal people's souls. We are, the way we speak reveal that we are being ruled by God's peace. And gratitude is always evident. Nothing, loved ones, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible only to, 
to speaking to God's people. Okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you won't understand the thing that I'm saying. Maybe the Holy Spirit will enlighten some of these things. But nothing kills gratitude than victim mentality. Victim mentality. Again, I tell you, if you have a victim mentality, you have got to call on the name of the Lord. Because there's no room for that victim mentality in the hearts and minds of God's people. If you have victim mentality, it's not only going to kill your joy, it will deprive your soul of a sense of gratitude. And that's so dangerous. Victim mentality. I'm not saying we're not going to be victimized. I'm not saying that we're, we're not going to be victims of a thing, okay? But our hearts and our minds must never entertain that thought that we have been dealt with some kind of a bad card and that God has allowed this thing or that to happen because He wants us to feel like we're sorry for ourselves or that we're defeated in some kind of way. No, none of that stuff. Because if you're a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God, there's no room for that kind of thinking and that kind of heartbeat in your life. The last time I checked, loved ones, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. The Word of Christ restores us from our brokenness. The Word of Christ gives us hope. The Word of Christ gives us courage. The Word of Christ compels us towards kindness. It raises up in a newness of life. The Word of Christ reconciles us. The Word of Christ redeems us. The, the Word of Christ heals. That's what the Word of Christ does. We're not built to hold grudges. We are born again and healed by the grace of God. We are grateful to God for our redemption and our reconciliation. And we reflect that gratitude by speaking the truth to heal the soul of others. You know, we just got through a very, very tough election <laughs> to compound an already very, very, very tough year. And you know what? What amazes me is that how much uh, politicians will, will go in front of the camera and started making promises, you know, use their words, you know. We're going to build better. We're going to be greater. We're going to do things that will heal the soul of the nation. Those are presumption, presumptuous words. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who won or anything like that. I mean, it matters, but those are just words. The last time I checked, only God can heal the soul of a nation. Only God can make a nation great. Only God can do that. And the only way that we can be healed is if we understand the redemptive power and the reconciling power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not going to heal the soul of a nation through political ways, through political means, and certainly not through politicians. He's going to use people who knows they are redeemed and reconciled. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say the truth. When there's truth, there is integrity. When there's truth, there is honesty. When there's truth, there's wisdom. When there's truth, there's healing. And when there's healing, there's peace. And when there's peace, there is gratitude. And when there's gratitude, there's true greatness. That's how it happens. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, 
We're called to speak the truth and be grateful because it heals the soul. The goal of the soul is to respond in gratitude to God for what He has done and not merely for what we are going through. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, in Ephesians 4.15 it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is head, that is Christ. You know what it's saying? It's saying that when we speak to one another, we're speaking to each other with truth that heals the soul. Why? Because there's gratitude for our redemption and reconciliation. There's a third evidence that we are grateful, and that is we seek total humility in our service to the Lord. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Loved ones, we cannot serve God if we are ungrateful. Unless we truly understand the redemptive power and the reconciliation we receive from Jesus, we cannot respond to God in worship in a way that glorifies God. Do you want to give God the most glory? What gives God the most glory? It is an attitude of gratitude. It is gratitude that gives God the most glory. Why? Because gratitude tells God we understand not only who He is, but what He has already done. You know, those who don't believe in God, you will often see this. Those who don't believe in God will never give credit to God for anything good that happens. They never will. Those who have no relationship with, the, with their Creator will never, never give credit and honor to God for anything good that happens. Oh, you know, they, uh, they, they discovered, the science uh, discovered the cure for cancer. And it's probably true. And it's probably, it's, for all instances, it's true. But you know what? Don't you think God has something to do with that? Absolutely. A vaccine has been discovered to kill the virus. But when a disaster comes, when something inexplicable happens, you will always hear people say, this is an act of God. Why did God do this? It's amazing. When God looks at a man's heart, he is looking for gratitude. Because gratitude gives him the most glory. Why? Gratitude puts intelligence to our faith. It tells God that we know exactly what he has already done. The Christian message is about redemption and reconciliation. When we tell people about Christ, we tell them about these two things. How much do we brag about what Christ has done for us? How much do we boast about the cross? You know, you can't boast about many things. In fact, you can't boast about anything except the cross of Jesus. You and I cannot, cannot do that. Gratitude puts intelligence to our faith and our confession. If people believe that in Jesus there's reconciliation and redemption, if they receive that message, they will be saved. They will receive peace and gratitude becomes part of their lives. That's why we call ourselves saved.
people. That's why we call, our, call ourselves born-again people. We have this sense of gratitude because we understand that we have been redeemed and have been reconciled with God. And when we understand that and we become thankful, God is immensely glorified. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, and read this with me this morning. It says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, by the way, the grace there speaks of redemption and reconciliation. The grace that is reaching more and more people may cause what? Thanksgiving to what? Overflow to the glory of God. And as grace, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Do you want to glorify God? Be grateful that you have been redeemed and you have been reconciled by the grace given you.